fancy videos for us this morning. That's all right. We don't need any fancy videos. We don't need none of that fancy stuff, do we? It's, that's right. It's all about God. Hey, uh, welcome. My name is Chris. If you don't know me, I'm the lead pastor here at Hope Springs Church, and we are glad to be spending our Sunday with you. Let me just get a little bit of situational stuff going on here. Uh, we are today uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and in fact, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 for the next four weeks. Now, it's not going to be like the last series. Remember the last series, we took just three small verses and we picked out God's truths from them. Uh, over the next four weeks, we're going to go through the entire chapter of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If you have a Bible uh, or a Bible app, go ahead and turn there. We will have the scriptures up on screen, but we love for you guys to have a Bible. I don't know about you, but I love to have this paper in my hand, even though my eyes are so bad now, I got to hold it out like this. But I love to have the paper and be able to... Oh, we, yes, we have Bibles back there. Somebody was pointing at me. I'm like, what are you pointing at? We do have Bibles back there. They're free. If you need a Bible, please take one. It's yours. Mark it up, highlight it, underline it, all that kind of stuff. First Corinthians chapter 13. That's where we are. Let me pray for us and we will get started. So Father God, once again, uh, first and foremost, we are totally 100% completely sold out in love with you, God, not because of what you do for us, but simply because of who you are. The beginning and the end of all that we are, our life, our breath, and everything in between, God. And we invite you into this place. We invite you into our hearts. We invite you to occupy every place that's in here, every seat, every person, every mind. We invite you to pierce us with your truth. And we give it all to you. As we continue to worship in your word, God, make us like sponges as we ask every week. Cause each of us to be transformed by your truth so that we leave today a different person than we were when we came in. Use me in that way and any way you see fit, God. We love you so much and we pray in Jesus' name. And together as a church, we'll all say amen. First Corinthians chapter 13. Some of you may know this as a very specially aptly named chapter in Paul's letters, uh, you will undoubtedly have heard many verses from this chapter quoted at different places. Um, it's basically about love. So we're going to be talking about love for the next couple of weeks. And, and I got to tell you that I think love, the word love, is probably the most overused and undervalued word in the English language. Anybody agree with that? The most overused and undervalued word in the English language because we use that word love for everything. I love fried chicken. Well, do you really? That's right. I love oodles and noodles. I love pumpkin pie with lots of whipped cream on it. But love, I mean, that's a pretty strong word. You know, you compare your love for fried chicken to your love for your wife. I mean, are they the same thing? We lose the value. We ascribe it to everything. And then you put, you know, anybody like to listen to music, you hear the word love all over the place. Do you know this is interesting? As a musician, I geek out on things like this. There have been over 100 million songs written about love. 
Now, that sounds like a lot, but if you go a little bit further and compare it to all the songs ever written, that's like 65% of every song ever written from Gregorian chant forward about love. And this doesn't help our cause any, because we learn lots of things about love in song, right? We learn that all you need is love. We learn that it's a little bit funny. We do. We, we lo- learn that love has you under my skin. We learn that some can't help falling in love. Some people just want to know what love is. On the other, that's right. And on the other hand, love stinks. That's what does love got to do with it. That's right. Love is thicker than water. Love, according to Captain Antoniel, will keep us together. And sometimes, according to our good friend Justin Bieber, you just got to love yourself. Right? You just got to love yourself. But, but here's the question. If love is really all you need, then why is there so much marital dissatisfaction? Why is there so much divorce? Why is there so much angst between people in relationships and all that kind of stuff? If love will really keep us together, why is the world so divided? Why is there so much division in this world? Everywhere we turn, every topic we look at, everything we discuss, there's got to be black, white, right, left, up, down. There's division all over the place. If love really stinks, why do we crave it so much? Why do we chase it so much? Why is it that thing that our heart yearns for? And I think we can't really define love with our human thoughts. Not the way it should be anyway. The dictionary actually says this about love. It says that love is an intense feeling of deep affection. That sounds pretty, right? An intense feeling of deep affection. But that's the problem when we try to define love. We go to love, we go to the definition, we try to define love by the emotion. We try to define love by the butterflies in my stomach and the goose pimply stuff and the hairs raising up on my, you know, and all the ooey gooey stuff. We try to define love by the feelings we have when we're in love. And I tell you what, when I'm eating a piece of fried chicken from Royal Farms, there are some feelings going on down in there, right? I got some stuff going on in my stomach. Is that love? The other thing is this, we define love from a subjective standpoint. What I might love and what I might think love is, you might not. You might not define love the way I am. I do. And then we add our experience in there. Anybody who's had a bad experience with love is going to think about it one way. Anybody who's had that, you know, high school sweetheart, got married, had a happy life, been married 75 years, is going to think about love in a totally different way. The fact is we, in our human capacity, we can't really come close to a good definition of love. But if we do, if we could succeed, if we can take these next four weeks and learn what God says about love, then it can affect every area of our lives. It can affect our relationships with people. It can affect our marriage. It can affect the way we parent our children. It can affect our friendships. It can affect our Christian fellowship. And so I don't know if you're like me, but we just got to know what God says about love. 
And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to do this deep, deep, deep dive into love. And we're going to see what Scripture says. I said, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now, some of you may know that the nickname for this book, this chapter of 1 Corinthians is called, anybody know? The love chapter. The love chapter. It's the love chapter. That's so beautiful. It's the love chapter. You want to see a little picture of Captain Steubing and, and, you know, Lauren and, you know, Isaac the bartender up there with it. The love chapter. Yeah, I'm just, I'm aging myself now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's the love chapter. And there's been so many uh, quotes pulled from this chapter. They're great for weddings. Anybody been to a wedding? You always have heard love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. We've heard it. It's great stuff for refrigerator magnets. Love never fails. How many people seen that on a bumper sticker? That's right. It is great stuff for your coffee mug to take your picture for the morning Instagram. That's right. I'll send you one. (laughs) But here's the interesting fact about the love chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It is not written to be an inspiration. It is not written to give us warm, fuzzy feeling. It is not written to give us butterflies in our stomach, to teach us how to have a romantic, sexy relationship with our wives. It's not written for that. It is written as a call to action because there was some serious stuff going on in the church in Corinth in Paul's day, and he was trying to do everything he could to snap them back into the picture of people that God designed them to be. Let me tell you a little bit about Corinth. If there was a sign on Corinth, it probably read this. What happens in Corinth stays in Corinth. (laughs) Corinth was like the Las Vegas of the Middle East over there. It was this little place, piece of land situated between two bodies of water. So they had all this trade, all this kind of metropolitan, cosmopolitan stuff. People would come on one side because it was shorter than going all the way around. They would come on one side, take their loads across into Corinth, take them over to the other side, ship it down where it needed to be. It was a very, very metropolitan, up-and-coming city, just like we have today. But they had a lot of problems. Immorality, sexual immorality was like the badge of honor in Corinth. In fact, they had a temple high up on a hill dedicated to the goddess Aphrodite, the goddess of love. And in this temple, there were a hundred priestesses. I don't need to say any more about that, do I? All right, good. You got it. Y'all got it. Priestesses. The looser you were with your morals, the more virtue you were thought to have had. Lots of idolatry and lots of divisions because because of the way Corinth was and where it was situated and that it had Roman influence and Greek influence and Jewish influence. There were all these kind of stratifications and divisions of all the class structures, socioeconomic. They celebrated the worst of the worst of the worst. And Paul planted a church there. And guess what happened? All that junk started creeping into the church. Sound familiar? This is not a first century problem. Because if we're not careful, no matter how much we love sitting in this place, worshiping God for an hour on Sundays, as soon as we go out those doors, all that same stuff is ready to pounce on us. It's ready to attack us. 
So we have to be careful. Paul is writing the love chapter in a way to, to, to snap people back in line. It was in, into this culture that Paul writes these words. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 to 3. Paul says this. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. That's such a beautiful sentiment, isn't it? It's such a beautiful set of three verses. But here's the problem. And this is the, the thing we have to be very careful of not to do when we read God's word. If we just sat down one day and say, I'm going to read 1 Corinthians chapters 13, verse 1 to 3. And we read that and we leave it right there. We could take a whole different meaning from this than what Paul really meant. Because if we don't understand the context of what Paul's writing in that context, then all we have is an excuse to prove our point. And do whatever we want with it. So, so, so we can't take this alone. The church that Paul was ministering to was in this state of constant fighting. And, and they were fighting. Get this. They were fighting about their spiritual gifts. They were actually like, I got the gift of prophecy. I'm better than you. You don't have the gift of healing. I'm going to get that gift of healing. I am so pious. I am so righteous. I am so good that I'm going to get it, and you're not. And if you don't have it, well, then you just can't have Lord's Supper the way we can have it. And you can't come over here, and you can't come over here. There was this constant bickering and infighting about what God was doing in their lives. It was something that was cultural, that was influencing the church. Have you ever known anybody with that kind of annoying habit, that kind of one-upsmanship? Like you're there pouring your heart out to somebody. You're like telling them a problem. You're trying, you know, trying to get their shoulder and ear to listen to. And, and they're like, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. But you know what I did? But you know what I had to do? Or you go to somebody and you say, y'all, I'm so excited. I just got to raise at work. It's going to help my family so much. And they're like, oh, yeah, well, I've been making six figures for six years. You ever met somebody like that? I, I was that guy for a long time. I was. And God's been working on me. But it's annoying. We get into this comparison game. Man, it's so toxic. When we start comparing what God is doing in our lives to what God is doing in somebody else's life, good or bad, right? Because we can compare the other. We can say, oh, I don't have those gifts. I don't have that. I must not be a good Christian. I must not be following God. Or we can go the other way and say, oh, I got it all. So you must just, you know, you're just the peon over there. It's toxic. It's toxic in every area of our life. It's toxic in our relationships. It's toxic in our marriages. It's toxic in our friendships. It's toxic in our parent-child relationships. And it's especially toxic in the church. And that's what Paul was dealing with. Listen to what he wrote leading up to this. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 27 to 31. Paul says this. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. We talk about this all the time, that the church needs every one of us. Whatever your gift is, whatever your talent is, whatever your strong suit is, we all need all of it to make us work. Paul says, and God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, 
second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, people who can work miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. That's great. God can do whatever he wants with his people. If he, might, if he chooses to give you the gift to heal people, he can do it. If God chooses to give you the gift of teaching, he can do it. If God chooses to give you the gift of miracle working, we don't think that's a thing, but it could still happen. God can do anything he wants. God can do anything he wants. But then listen to what Paul says, and we have to understand the context. People were arguing and fighting and bickering and putting themselves in a toxic situation about their gifts. Paul says, are all apostles? This is a rhetorical question. Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Paul's letting us know, look, you cannot boast about the gifts you have because God chooses to give his gifts however he wants to distribute them. And it's not a right of Christianity. It's not a right of Jesus' followership that you get everything and you can claim everything. It's not that way. It's not the way it works. We all have a gift that is specifically given to us to edify the body of Christ. But Paul does say this. He says, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. We can't misunderstand that. We should pray for those gifts. We should pray for God to gift us in any way God sees fit. And we should be open to that. But that's not Paul's point. Because this is the one that blows me away. He says all of that stuff, all about the gifts of the Spirit. And then he says, and yet... I will show you the most excellent way. I will show you the most excellent way. Paul's talking about spiritual gifts and, and, and this context where they were all arguing and boasting about them. And our world is no different, folks. Our world is very similar to what was going on in first century uh, A.D. You know, we boast about all kinds of stuff in our lives. We boast about our careers. We boast about our, you know, successes. We boast about our golf score. We boast about, you know, uh, uh, the baskets. We, you know, our fantasy football Y'all know who I'm looking at back there, right? We boast about it. We boast about our family. You remember in the old days when we used to like, let me see my family? And we had this wallet with the accordion uh, thing in there. Let me see you my pictures. Right now we just take out our phone and we scroll through a thousand pictures before we find the one we really want. I mean, that's how it is. We boast about our kids. We boast about our families, our successes. And none of those things are inherently bad. Paul's not saying those things are bad. Paul's saying the gifts of the Spirit are good. They are honorable. We should pray for them. But they are not the most excellent way. They are not the most excellent thing. They are not the thing that we should all want. Everybody can have. Everybody gets. Everybody is designed to have. The most excellent thing, Paul says, the thing that compares to nothing else, the thing that everything else perils in comparison to, the thing where nothing else is better. Love. Love is the most excellent way. Love. Love is the most excellent way. And he says, without love, we are nothing. Without love, we gain absolutely nothing. And without love, all the efforts we can put into this world are nothing but noise. Nothing but noise. And look at what Paul does. Paul looks at three areas of 
the Christian life. But these can, can, these can kind of point us to areas in our lives. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels. Now, don't misunderstand. Paul is not saying that angels have some secret code, cone of silence stuff that they're trying to talk into. You know, angels. Paul is saying, I can speak as eloquently and as beautifully as anybody else on the face of this earth. He's talking about an outward appearance kind of thing, right? Our actions, our speech, the clothes we wear. Does our watch match our shoes? I mean, come on, you know? He's talking about all the stuff that we put on to the outside. You ever met one of those people? I mean, you're kind of looking at one, right? You know, those people who always got to have the best purse, always got to have the most expensive shoes, always driving the most expensive cars, always living in the best-looking house, and making sure you know it because your news feed is filled up with their pictures of their life. Those are the people I say unfollow to, by the way. It's freeing. You should try it. <laughs> but what does Paul say? You can do that. You can even do that about your spiritual gifts. But if that's all the world sees, you are nothing but white noise. You are nothing but static. Nothing but interference on the radio. Y'all don't remember. All you young guys don't remember having to tune a radio dial, right? And only certain places on the radio dial gave you actual music. The rest of it was like... Who's with me? Where's my people? That's right. We know. You don't get that anymore. Spotify does not have a static station. I get it. I get it. He says it's just noise. That's right. I'm, I'm old and I love it. I'm old and I love it. I'll say it again for the people in the back, Curtis. I got a special job for you on Thursday. Don't worry about it. Just noise. He says, if we prophesy and have wisdom and show our knowledge and have a faith that can move mountains, he's talking about the internal stuff, but not necessarily internal stuff, right? That stuff that we should keep inside, uh, our faith, our prophecy, our wisdom, our knowledge. But, but, but you know those people who had those things, but they want to make sure you know they had those things. They want to make sure that you know I got the wisdom. They want to make sure you know every time you're talking to them, they're like, I got a word from God from you. I got a word from God from you. I was sitting on the toilet the other day, and God just gave me a word. I don't know where that came from. He says, he says, if that's you, but you don't have love, you are Nothing. Nothing. He says, if you sell all of your possessions and give over your body to hardships, basically he's talking about the act of fasting and kind of taking this time to not indulge in food and drink and things like that to get closer to God. But what the church in Corinth was doing was they would, they would use that as kind of a method of boasting even still. But Jesus says, if you fast, don't go out on a street corner looking all sickly and gaunt and be like, oh, I'm fasting. Keep it to yourself. But this is the thing that we do. This is how it compares to us. This, it's that outward humility, but not really. right? It's that outward humility, you know, the people like serving today, hashtag serving, you know. 
I prayed so hard for the people in my church that they all got healed. And you push it out on the, you know, your, your feet and everything, you know. It's that humility, but not really. It's like you're not really. Yes, it is. No, yes, it is. But Paul says, if that's the way you are, if you want to do that stuff and boast about it and make sure that the whole world thinks that that's all there is, you gain nothing. Jesus also says that if we do that for the pleasures of man, then we get our reward from man. But we don't want our reward from man. We want our reward from God. We want our heavenly treasures. We want to build up those things. He says, without love, nothing else matters. You can have all the gifts. You can have all the outward appearances. You can have all the stuff. But without love, everything we do is useless. Useless. I spent so many years. Listen, I'm going to tell you this because I don't want anybody to fall in this trap. I spent so many years trying to prove myself to the world. I did. I spent so many years trying to act like I was better than I was and, 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 and pursuing the six-figure income and chasing the cars and the houses. And, 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 and all I ended up doing was stepping on people. Relationships suffered. I alienated people. And I guarantee you there's probably still an I Hate Chris Beatty fan club out there somewhere meeting on Thursdays because of the way I used to be. It's Wednesdays at 6. All right, thanks, thanks, Brandon. Brandon is the president, by the way, so if you want to sign up, he's right here. That's right. There's a connection. <laughs> Brandon's got his own connection cards for the I Hate Chris Beatty fan club. They're up here. I manage the mailing list, though, so don't be surprised <laughs> if, I, if I sell it to the uh, car warranty people next week. Don't be surprised about that. I, w- I was that guy. It's all about me, self-centered. Even though I had great things happening in my life, I wanted to make sure that I was boasting about it, that I was always about it, that I was showing it off, that I was in that place. And you know what? It didn't get me anywhere. In fact, I think I was worse off at the end because I, wasn't have, I didn't have the love that God wants us to have. Without love, without real love, not the love we define by our worldly terms, Not the love we define in songs, not the ooey-gooey, not the butterflies, not the hair standing up on our head. We are nothing. Without love, we gain nothing. Without love, we, our lives, our whole things that we do is just white noise. Love completes us. It is the thing that completes us. And not just any love. I'm not saying go out and get into a love relationship and you'll be all complete. Because we're going to find out over the next couple of weeks what this real love is and what this real love looks like. This week, we're just kind of laying the foundation that love is what completes each one of us as followers of Christ. And even before we're followers of Christ, it's not just something in our DNA that might come out. You know, like you're like, you got the DNA from your parents, but one of your kids might look like the mom. One of them might look like the dad. One of them might be, you know, a control freak like their father. It's not just that. It's in our fiber. We were made by love. We were made because God so loved us. He wanted to create. He created us as his most precious creation. He scooped down in the mud. He could have just been like, there's man. There's woman. There's another one. There's another one. There's another one. I can do this all day, folks. Come on. Yeah. But he didn't. He took his own hands and he formed us. We were made by love. To love, 
We were made to receive love and we were made to show love. And this love is only possible when we turn to Jesus. This love is only possible when we turn to Jesus. Because God is love. It's not what he does. It's who he is. God is love. And each one of us is looking for something in this world. Each one of us is looking for fulfillment and satisfaction and peace and joy and contentment. And there's this big hole in us, which I call the God-shaped hole. And nothing out there is going to fill it except for God himself. And if God is love and we fill the God-shaped hole with God, then it's love that completes us. It's what we're missing in all of the things we do if we don't have it. And the love that Paul talks about is only possible if we turn to Jesus. Because his love, oh, let me tell you, his love is deeper than the deepest trenches in the ocean. It's wider than the widest landmass you could imagine. His love is, is, is never-ending. His love is all-encompassing. His love never fails. His love is always available. His love is always enough. It will never run out. His love is always 99.99.99 plus point zero 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 one that's a hundred percent if you're doing the math percent pure it's always good and the best thing about it all is his love was poured out for us on the cross by his son jesus christ that is who god is that is who god is his love in us completes us that kind of love completes each one of us if you're missing something in your life you need to think about this Without love, we are nothing. Without love, we gain nothing. Without love, our lives is just noise. Are just noise. I can speak, don't worry. What would your life look like? What would the world look like? What would our world look like? What would this church look like? What would the communities we serve look like if we weren't just selective about love and said, well, you can have it, but you can't. You can have it, but you can't. And you know what? I'm up here, and I love the people I want to love, but you, I don't know. You know, you shouldn't be holding that sign, and, and you probably should just go get a job instead of begging on the street corner. And I know you don't need to live in that tent. It's your own fault. If we just were love, not just showed love selectively by the world standards, if it wasn't just some emotional thing that we only had love when we felt the butterflies in our stomach but we are love if people saw us and they saw the love of jesus christ without us ever saying a word what would that look like not just noise not just all about us but real love from god completing us Reflecting to the world. What would that look like? In, in a minute, we're going to um, celebrate the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, which Jesus had with his guys uh, just hours before he would show us the greatest act of love ever possible, giving his life for our salvation giving his life so that we could once again fill our God-shaped hole with God. And I'm not going to do that until I give everybody in here a chance to make that decision today to have Jesus Christ be the Lord and Savior of your life. 
because I will not promise you that your life is going to be immediately wine and roses. I will not promise you your life will even get any better. It might. We don't do this because our lives will get better, but life is better with Jesus. Because Jesus never fails. Jesus never changes. When all the stuff in the world is going wrong, Jesus is constant. And God's love for us never fails. He is love. We do this so that we can be reunited again with God the Father. We're all separated from him. Our condition of sin separates us, whether we think we're bad people or not. That's just a fact. Our default destination is the place we don't want to go. And so I want to offer everybody that opportunity today, whether you're online or here in this house, with all heads bowed, if you want to make that decision, open your heart today, and we'll all pray this prayer together. Jesus, I believe you are the Lord and Savior of the world. Jesus, I believe you died on a cross to pay for my sin. Jesus, I believe you rose on the third day, defeating my spiritual death. And I want you to be the Lord of my life. I surrender it all to you. Take control. Thank you, Jesus. And so, Father God, for anybody who has made that decision today, we give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. We give you all the honor. And if anybody is kind of sitting out there saying, well, I'm not so sure about this, we just ask that your grace, that your Holy Spirit continue, continue to pull people in because we know that's what you do. We know that's what you do, God. God, help us to know that without love, we are nothing. Without love, we can't compete. Without love, we're not better. Without love, we're not the best. Help us not to boast about our worldly accomplishments, but to show your love, to be love, to have love as our number one thing that people see in our lives, God. No matter how long we've been following you, we can all learn from this valuable lesson, your truth. We love you so much, God. We pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, and together as a church, we'll all say, Amen.